0: Welcome to Bride Body Family Temple, where we talk about all things church and what it means to be the people of God. Before watching world, uh, my name is Eric Miller. With me today, uh, recording are Mr. Matt Rao, hey, and our good friend Mr. Pat Weaver, hey. Yes, good to see sir. You. yes, sir. Good to have him here. Um, today, um, or what, not just today, but what we're going to be talking about uh, on the, probably the next several episodes, we're not exactly sure how many we'll do on this, is about a year ago, um, Mercy Hill Church uh, started holding services at uh, a second location out on the western an- end of our county. Uh, we now call it Mercy Hill West. Um, so I guess we don't really use this term a lot, but that kind of technically makes us multi-site Right. Yeah. Okay. Ish. (laughs) But, but we, that's part of the story that we want to tell is this kind of, is this kind of what the Lord has done over the last, um, several years. Um, what, where we have the second location where that we now call Mercy Hill West, uh, used to formerly be Cornerstone Community Church. And Pat Weaver was, uh, the pastor of that church for what, about 10 years, 10 years. Yeah, for, for 10 years and is now uh, a, a partner at Mercy Hill Church, remains a good friend. And so what we, we wanted to do today is just kind of um, talk a little bit about the story of what God has done there, uh, I think from both perspectives, both from Pat's perspective and also from ours um, uh, over the last several years. And then we'll, we'll, we're probably going to do a couple episodes kind of wandering out of that then just on the whole discussion around multi-site and, uh, you know, having multiple locations it, um, as a church, is, which is something that's become um, ever increasingly kind of popular over the last couple of years. And, uh, and again, just to, uh, I guess, muse on it somewhat, um, talk about what we've, what we've learned, uh, what's, what's good, what's bad, what we're still trying to figure out, and just you know how in it all we're trying to just uh, go forward and, um, uh, for the sake of the gospel and make mm-hmm. disciples that, that make disciples. But uh, yeah, thanks for being here today, Pat.
1: My pleasure. Good it's to have honor.
0: you. So why don't we talk first of all, Matt uh, and Pat uh, d- uh, met first. So uh, Matt, you knew Pat before I did, and why don't you start there, just with how you guys met, and then we'll kind of get into the story of. Uh,
2: uh, yeah, it was it was Mercy early on at Mercy Hill, at Mercy Hill. Mercy Hill and um, so I had it was right when I was coming on as elder, or right in the in the process. But um, I I quit my job and. Um, I felt that calling, um, and then I went to work at two of our local nursing homes as chaplain. And so, uh, I had a resident that passed away, and uh, it was uh, calling hours were the, were um, Monday night, and that's usually when we had our elders meeting. And I I I I just felt I just felt a tremendous urge that I had to be there. I don't know why exactly. Um, I do now, <laughs> but I thought, well, I I just had to be there for the family, and um, and so like I, um, called you guys as elders and said, hey, I, I'm going to be a little bit late, and unbeknownst to me, it was like an hour and a half, almost two hour line at the uh, at the calling hours at this church, and the line literally wrapped around the church onto the outside, and so I'm I'm standing there, and uh, you know we're just doing you know just standing waiting patiently was it cold it was yeah was it was it a little chilly outside year, it? yeah it was it was it was winter or Impor- close to winter
0: important non important
2: yeah so. and um and so there you know I'm, I'm standing in line and and there was a guy in front of me and um you know never seen him before in my life and we were you know um as the line kept moving you know about maybe an hour into the line he started talking to me and I started talking to him I'm not sure who initiated it
0: so you guys are both really friendly. It took you an hour of standing. Yeah, yeah, Extra yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
2: and and uh, out of that, um, I found out that he was a, a pastor at uh, Cornerstone, and I, uh, you know, and, and actually, um, the guy that had passed away. He he, uh, I didn't I didn't know uh, his roommate because he had passed before I became chaplain there, but it was one of Pat's uh, Pat's guys, um, and so that's why Pat was in line um with me um
1: yeah. saying hi to the pat the is that
0: the way you recall the story
1: pretty close <laughs> <laughs> Just, uh, except um i did find the information that i was looking for yeah and so uh the gentleman that was in my church that passed away that was a friend of the gentleman that we were standing in line for yeah his uh, his his uh funeral was uh first of June of 2015. Okay. Okay. So if it was cold outside. Yeah, it was probably the, towards it, the end of fifteen. <laughs> yeah. So um, but no, I, I almost didn't go to that uh, visitation because um, I wasn't directly connected with the gentleman, but he had been a friend of my friend and they'd shared the same room at the nursing home. Sure. And through the course of time uh, we had struck up a little bit of a friendship and I just really appreciated the way he loved uh, the brother that had gone to my church that had passed away. And so when he passed away, um, I went there, and I almost didn't go. And then I saw this guy, uh, who now I know is now Matt Raul, and uh, I almost didn't talk to him. Quite frankly, I was having a bad day that day. I didn't really feel like talking to anybody. And uh, Matt was just really friendly, and uh, we started talking. And before we knew it, we were having fellowship about – ministry. I shared with him I was. And, uh, we just really made a connection enough so much that we said we have got to meet at a coffee shop and finish this.
0: Yeah. And so at that point, Pat, you, you had been at Cornerstone for
1: five years. Well, it would have been, uh, no. I'd been there three years. You've been so there I got three there years. in 2012 okay. and this yeah. was 2015. Okay. So it was very early.
0: Yeah, sure. And then, um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I met you at some point. I want, I don't know couple months after that. I'm Something not really like that. sure. probably it's, maybe at some know. point along the way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but Pat, why don't you talk a little bit just about um just give us a brief bio and just kind of sure. a brief history of uh where you mm-hmm. pastored before and sure. then coming to coming to cornerstone, et cetera.
1: Well, um I pastored uh, in three churches uh, over a period of uh, just a little over thirty years and uh um so it was, it's been a journey to do that, uh, obviously, and uh, have learned a lot along the way. God has been really good um, to my wife and my family through all of it, but we've learned a lot. Uh, pastoring a church, being a part of the body of Christ necessitates spiritual growth and challenges to overcome, and uh, uh, so uh, through the course of time, uh, in 2012, we came to Ohio that's a whole story in itself, but I won't go into it as a good one. We came and, um, you know, began to serve there. The Lord had already been doing kind of a work in my heart, um, having grown up in some what I call kind of an unhealthy Christianity. I call it churchianity. And then uh, the previous two churches, um, the experiences I gathered there, I began to really uh, go through a time of, uh, I guess, personal uh, recalibration about.
0: That's a good way to put it. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, not just for you, but yeah. I mean, I think all. Yeah. Yeah. It's good.
1: I I didn't realize how deeply into that I was, but when I did come to Ohio to Cornerstone, um. I didn't realize until after I'd been there for several months that a lot of the same clues of unhealthiness were there that I had gone through personally growing up in church and uh, then also in the churches that I had served in before that. And again, doesn't make it, I don't want it to come off as though I was the didn't have anything wrong with me and that everyone else was messed up. Uh, we were all in it together. But I I began to see some things, and uh, so I began to ask questions. And uh, through the course of time, began to realize that uh, there were some things that were challenging at Cornerstone. Yeah. And...
0: Um, well, I remember that, you know, uh, that... During that time was, you know, when I was getting to know you, you know, Matt had met you before I did. But um, I think I know one of the things that I personally appreciate about you is that I, I, um, and maybe you can talk a little bit about this. But like mm-hmm. during that time, like in coming to the church and, you know, it, you come into a church cold from, you know, getting hired from out of the area, you know, three years in, you're still really just kind of getting your feet wet. Mm-hmm. Right. And would you would you agree with that? And just totally. just, just learning the culture and stuff but you also it seemed to be evident we're going through and I this is where I don't want to overstate this and I don't want to mm-hmm. put words in your mouth but just kind of like a um a real transformation just in really becoming gospel gospel center not that you didn't know the gospel before and, and definitely not that you weren't saved but it just seemed like like um I don't know the gospel what the church was even some I know you even before we took over you reworked kind of some uh things from a structural mm-hmm. level, just in terms of leadership and stuff like yeah. that. And I know that for, for several years, you know, before, um, you guys kind of, uh, got grafted into Mercy Hill, it was just, I had a lot of respect for you for that because it was, you were doing some real, uh, you were implementing some real changes in the church that all, but th- here's my point that seemed to be somewhat of an expression of changes that were going yes. on in you as well. Is that, is yep. that fair? Yeah,
1: Very much. Um, I guess a growing understanding in my own personal life of the power and depth of the gospel, the centrality of the gospel in the life of the follower of Jesus. And that, that also is another thing that I kind of grew up in a, a mindset that, uh, you know, you could be a Christian, but not necessarily a disciple. Sure. Discipleship was sort of left to those who wanted to go to the mission field or go to Bible school got Bible college and go into quote formal full-time ministry. And, you know, and, uh, so, you know, there's some, you don't realize, uh, at first, and I mean, I'm, I'm talking like the first 20 years of my ministry time. Sure. Yeah. That was just, you don't know. It's, that is really a serious error because you've really d- redefined the whole work of Christ in the life of a person. And that is, you know, there's there's n- nothing in the New Testament, uh, any of Paul's writings, that was any such thing as a Christian and then another group of people that are disciples. Sure. You know, there's nothing lo- about that. The language isn't there, but you grow up in it and you kind of get it re- reinforced in your various churches. Um, even at Bibles College, it was kind of that was never stated this way, but sort of just an arrogance that you're really serious about following Jesus if you went to Bible school, you know. And uh, so, you know, it took, about the time I came to Ohio and Cornerstone, I think the Lord was really uh, beginning to clean that up with me. And I began to notice some, what I call pathologies in the thinking of of the church and and also looking back on my previous churches and how differently I would have led and pastored had I known what I did was beginning to learn about the gospel and centrality of it. And also just about leadership in general. What really is the point of being a pastor? What is the point of being an elder? What is our goal?
0: Yeah. Well, what are, what are some of those, as you put it, pathologies and, uh, and then maybe we transition to along with that. um, some, Some of the, uh, some of the leadership stuff that you were reworking. You know, I grew re- up thinking,
1: I grew up in uh, kind of a, I don't want to step on any toes, but I'll just That's say sorry. it. Uh, just, just sort of the, the American way of doing church is the superior way of doing church. Yeah. And that involves democracy. That involves everybody having a voice. <laughs> and, uh, and so I grew up in a very congregational atmosphere. Now in the, th- churches that I served in, we may have had elders, we may have had and deacons, but functionally speaking, they were more just representatives of the congregation. Many of them have family members in the congregation with uh, conflicting um, with conflicting goals. And, uh, so this really, you know, everything's fine until there's conflict in a local church to resolve and that's when you really find out uh what's really important and again uh you know i was just uh, there's a lot of things i wish i could do over too uh looking back so it's well, not like i'm looking this at this is else. i
0: can tell what's going to happen right now is as you're talking i'm i'm making a bunch of notes about <laughs> all future podcast episodes that we're going to do just on these right individual thing like uh, you i'll know, try but, not to well no no but but i think i'd like to Chase a few of these rabbits for a while, and they're mm-hmm. really not rabbits; they're mm-hmm. big. Oh yeah, mule deer or antelope. Or like they're they're, <laughs> yeah. they're worth chasing. But I'm saying, like, I think we'll still do a future episode on. But even like, like, talk to me about how, like, you saw the gospel mm. as you as you were going through kind of a gospel centered transformation and wanting to lead your church in this about how that uh, began to press on and shape the way you viewed conflict in the church as opposed to maybe how. It, it formerly had, or maybe what you. I,
1: I began saw. to. I began to understand, and I can't tell you when in the ten years sure, I yeah, was a cornerstone. Yeah, yeah. It was just a slow process. Yeah. You know, I began to understand that conflict in the local church is is unresolved conflict in the body of Christ in the local church it is it is always a failure of either knowing the gospel or a failure to obey it. That's good. Just that simple. Okay. There's either something about the gospel, the people involved in the conflict don't understand, or there's something they do understand. They're just choosing to compartmentalize their lives and say, well, that doesn't apply in my situation. That's, I kind of call it the law, of the grand exception, <laughs> you know? And as, and as the CEO in a uh, situation with a, a leadership team, who really were a cornerstone. They were deacons.
0: And you're, sorry, I I, yeah, I see, I knew we were, this is, sorry, I don't mean to yeah, interrupt you, but no I like, we, we got your role now. This is what yeah. I appreciate about Pat, but you were being facetious there when you said, as the role of a CEO.
1: Well, uh, well speaking
0: the, of yourself as the CEO, as, that's as, the, as the function, It yeah, right, wasn't what right. I was called.
1: <laughs> no, but, I like that. Yeah. The <laughs> function was, is it's my job to keep it all together. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. And good. ultimately, if it doesn't stay together, then it must be the CEO's fault. Right. Yeah. And I know a lot of, uh, friends of mine that went into the ministry after Bible college, you know, they, you, you, and that whole culture of that network of that kind of attitude, you know, they stay at a church maybe three or four years at the most. And then it's time to get a new CEO. Right. He obviously wasn't managing the flock. Well, he wasn't all this, you know, and it's a very, you're very isolated when you're in that position. Right. Uh, in ministry. And now, so all that to say, you know, it, uh, I'm bringing it back to Cornerstone leading yeah, up yeah. to a, why we merged or why, what not so much emerged, but why the Lord just ended Cornerstone and brought us together. Yeah. Um, um, I began to, it began to click with me and I'm just, a, I was just a little slow that, you know, part of the problem was is when you're continually having to, through a congregational and i call it a popular vote because that's what it was Mm -hmm. when you're choosing your leaders that way and although cornerstone had deacons they still had elder responsibilities Um, it was their job and it was in the constitution that they were to assist the pastor in all discipline problems all discipline challenges and stuff like that well now you're involving issues of, uh, of confidentiality you're involving all those kinds of things and these are these are, these are people that uh, are fulfilling the role of an elder without the vetting.
0: Without actually being an elder or necessarily Not holding those an qualifications. Elder. And yet, yet they
1: didn't know anything. It wasn't their fault. Yeah. This is the it system. It was a broken, broken system. It was yeah. a system yeah. that, as it was, I grew up in it, so I didn't really even see a problem. But I kept, you know, I guess after 20, 25 years, you see some of the same problems, and you're beginning to realize. And then that's another thing. You know, I, I, I began to develop friendships with other pastors like you guys, yeah. um, but others also who came from a more plurality of er- of eldership rule. And I began to really be uh, somewhat jealous of the teamwork they had, um, how they, they got together and they prayed, and uh, you held each other accountable as fellow followers of Jesus yeah. in a way that I never felt the freedom to do, through all my ministry, because quite frankly, um, although I had my board, uh, at, and there would be one or two exceptions to the rule, many times, although I loved them, I didn't ultimately respect their, or or um, I say I didn't, I didn't really. We weren't on the same sheet of music. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So my job. As the CEO pastor of these churches was more or less to try to be a salesman and try to get everybody on the same sheet of music.
0: Yeah, and so
1: and I wasn't doing what I was called to do, and that's spend my time in the Word and in prayer. Yeah, um,
0: and in making and in just making disciples of just meeting with people. Well, that's another and, issue. Yeah, you know,
1: that that well, that sure. wasn't even on the radar. Yeah, right. Uh, you know. Um, yeah, but over
0: but over uh, over the course of couple years and again i'm just i'm just kind of like pointing out you know things that i saw and stuff i saw that that was happening you and i would uh often uh meet up at you know a local coffee shop not even planned we would just both be studying there and then we'd Mm -hmm. end up you know sitting together and you know matt i knew you the the same way with We would just uh very precious talk and get 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 to know each other and uh you know share those struggles precious time
1: because with you and matt and a few others and some some of the men in my church i had Several guys in my church that weren't in leadership positions necessarily, but without me realizing it, we were discipling each other.
0: Sure, yeah. They were listening
1: sure. to the sermons on Sunday or, or whatever, and they they I I, hate, they, you know, I guess they got it, as I was getting it, at the same time, yeah. and uh, so it was almost like there was a a church within the church. But with you guys, I could talk out loud. I wasn't safe. I felt safe. I could, I could. Uh, didn't have to necessarily be eloquent, but I could talk, we could talk about the scriptures. We could talk about the priorities of Jesus, who he was. And, uh, you know, it was real fellowship. And so yeah. you just develop a hunger for that.
0: Yeah. So just maybe to get a continue forward in the, in the time. there's a bunch of stuff we're going to come back to and, yep. and hit on eventually, but just so that we can, I'm know, a little bit ADHD oh, it's, when it's, no, it comes dude, to I'm, talking. I'm, this is what this <laughs> I, I find is. squirrels we, we just, everywhere. Yeah, no, it's, it's good. I'm, I'm writing down a bunch <laughs> of stuff and, We'll, we'll be able to come back and revisit it at some point, but just to kind of keep the story going mm-hmm. uh, for some cohesion for those listening. But like, sure. so a couple years in though, you're there, we meet you or Matt meets you about three years in. Yeah. Um, we begin to, you know, all develop kind of a little bit of a friendship. Um, and again, just regularly talk about church and life and what's going on and, and preaching week to week and the role of, you know, leaders in the church and eldership and the centrality of the, the just the process and, of and the mission of making disciples and um, how the gospel needs to right. need, needs to shape everything and then and I'm kind of fast forward or go go ahead, Brigo says I'm good.
1: And maybe you're going to get to this. Oh, but There was just a key moment where uh, a group of men that that uh, that had been going to Cornerstone, we we were uh, working through growing together, and uh, we decided that we really needed a retreat. And, uh, you know, there were voices that said, well, we've never had a retreat Uh, in the history of the, of Cornerstone. There'd never really been a men's retreat like that. The church was about 25 years old when I got there and it just wasn't part of the culture. They had a lot of potlucks, they had a lot of things, a lot of holiday events, but not a lot of that kind of thing. And there were some even said, well, no one will even go, but we ended up having over a dozen men go. And, uh, Through some connections, we got hooked up with a gentleman named Cam Wolford, who we ended up supporting as a missionary, and I believe Mercy Hill does now. Yeah, we do. Um, Cam uh, has a ministry called Servant Leaders, where their whole ministry is to fulfill the Great Commission by uh, making disciples who are leaders, who make disciples who are leaders, who make disciples who are leaders, And, um, and how that all fleshes out. And Cam did our retreat. And in preparation for that retreat, Cam had had asked everybody to uh, get ready for that retreat by reading a book called "Autopsy of a Deceased Church" by a writer named Tom Tom Rayner. Tom Rayner, yeah. And uh, so uh, one of the sessions, we so the, the retreat was centered around these bullet points. Uh, first of all, what is the gospel? Not. That it, that it is more than just a way to go to heaven and to escape God's wrath and hell. It's much more than that. It is the Christian's life from beginning till we see Jesus. It is everything. It governs everything in our relationships, our forgiveness, our restoration. It is uh, so that that doesn't even do it justice. You know, we, we hammered on that. We also hammered on that. OK, then what is the great? What is the Great Commission? We went to Matthew 28. We talked about discipleship. We got our discipleship uh, misunderstanding cleared up, you know, that um, a genuine believer is a follower of Jesus. There's not a genuine believer who isn't a follower of Jesus, you know, and that has a lot of ramifications, Mm huge. Huge on uh, how you even preach a sermon, how, what, how you even look at a text.
0: Isn't it fun when you start off on a bad trajectory, just the whole course of everything, you know, is, <laughs> is going to be off When you get that trajectory right, it, it's gigantic. it locks you into hitting the target and for and everything. The, and the yeah. funny
1: thing is, if you would have said this all to me 12, 13 years ago, I'd have agreed with everything. I'd have said, yeah, oh, yeah, I, I get that. I understand that. I think Christians are very good at deceiving themselves. Because we use the same terminology and we're so used to hearing it, we don't actually take time to contemplate what does it really mean. Yeah. What are the ramifications? So all that to say, we talked about discipleship. We talked about the Great Commission. You know, yeah. It's not about just being a disciple. A disciple makes disciples who can make disciples. Yeah. You know, what, is a, what is a disciple? A fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ who goes all the way to the top of, of, of Calvary's mountain bearing a cross with him. We, we took apart Luke 14, uh, every which way you could that weekend, about uh, the cost of discipleship. And that, whole that, that really forced you to examine yourself. Yeah. Is this really where I'm at? And then we talked about the centrality of the local church in the Great Commission, that discipleship is always out of and toward the local church. Because uh, there's a lot of competition with the local church with parachurch ministries and stuff like that that can easily get you distracted yeah and then we talked about uh, the, the last thing was the centrality of a plurality of qualified men in positions of elders in a local church that must be uh, that must walk in truth with one another and also be be uh, have the trust of the congregation of the members must be trusted. So we took apart, uh, first Timothy three, but you know, when you look at first Timothy three with a deeper understanding of the gospel, the deeper understanding of the great commission, the deeper understanding of what it means to follow Jesus. Then you look at, you see how this all fits together,
0: but the gospel and discipleship,
1: all of it, are the, it are all the fits keys, together yeah. and it's beautiful and the, and we left that retreat with a uh, all of us incredibly convicted but incredibly determined and humbled and i think that's the key thing out of that retreat we were all humbled mm. and i think humility is really the ground out of which ministry has to start and spiritual growth um Blessed are the broken in spirit, for theirs is the king of heaven. Took on a whole new meeting that weekend, yeah. And uh, so we we came out of there broken. So then we taught autopsy of a deceased church in our adult Sunday school class. We just went through it. Did you? I don't
0: think I, know, I don't think I knew that you did that. I do Oh know yeah,
1: absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Every Every well, guy got an opportunity to do one of the chapters.
0: So, so can I ask, as you were going through that, yeah. were people like they were uh, shocked? Uh, does this like was it? Were they? recognizing the things that they
1: joined us in our brokenness. Uh, Wow. There was not very many people that did that. Yeah. You know, and we had a fairly good attended adult Sunday school class. So we felt that it wasn't just enough for the men on the retreat to know we had a responsibility to come back and at least let them know this is where we're at. Mm -hmm. You can get on with us or not, but we're, we're, we've, it was almost then the culture of the church began to change from a more of a political, "what's do what's best for the organization, so to speak, to more of a, we want to follow Jesus. It just began. It wasn't perfect. Remember, mistakes are being made along the way, especially on my part. Um, but all that to say, we taught that class. Uh, at the end of the book, you actually grade yourself as a church Uh Based upon uh, a set of questions. Again, the book was written from the perspective of someone doing an autopsy on a deceased person yeah. and finding out what killed him. Only applying it to the church. Sure. And uh, we 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 were humbled because if everybody was honest, there was a certain point where the uh, questionnaire would tell you the best thing you can do for the kingdom of heaven is to close your doors and sell the property.
0: Really? Like if you like,
1: there is no yeah. there is no. There is nothing to fix. It's already past being fixed. We weren't there yet, but we all agreed we were the step before that. Mm-hmm. So there was hope. I don't know if you want well, to take I, off Well, oh, geez,
0: yeah, I got a bunch of thoughts on no, this. Is good, this is good stuff. I'm, I'm trying to, yeah, I'm just I'm uh, frantically write, writing things down here so that we can revisit it eventually. Just to, to comment quickly, what I appreciate about that is just listening from the outside is, um, honesty. Mm. You, I, you said earlier that Christians are very good at deceiving themselves. Is that what mm. you said? Yeah. And to say that just the opposite way, we're not very always very good at being honest and and honestly assessing our situation and just the whole principle of in order to get to where you want to be, you have to be honest about where you're at. You know, it's, if you have to admit that you're lost, if you ever want to get uh, to where you're not currently and um, and that takes, that takes honesty. And so I, I think that that's, uh, as you guys, again, just listening from the outside, like as you're going on this journey of really just getting into God's word and realigning yourself with what the word says in regards yeah. to leadership, um, it what was. the church is, discipleship, and then, and then being honest about it because it is totally possible. Yeah. Cause I feel like I've seen this is to do those type of retreats or have those types of things where you're getting the information and they go, oh, yeah, that's really good, that's really good, but not applying it to yourself in a way that's intellectually honest because it actually stings. You know what I mean? It, it, it's, it's hard to admit um, where we're at sometimes and how, and how far we've drifted. So, and that idea of humility that you yeah. touched on is just really, really important. Um,
1: I think yeah. true discipleship is always going to bring the disciple through stages of repentance. Yeah, You're constantly repenting.
0: Yes, all of life is one of repentance. Absolutely,
1: and uh, otherwise, it's just a retreat on a calendar. We got emotionally moved, but nothing really changed. That's false. That's not repentance. Repentance is being transformed and being different than you were now. I just want want to just, again, spirit of honesty, (laughs) say that this wasn't like a program that we had worked out and orchestrated and then just went through the steps. Yeah. We learned this on the fly. This was
0: happening in real time. It was happening yes. in real yeah.
1: time. Um, it, you know, uh, when God does a work, it is not always seem. It, it, he takes whatever time he needs to take to do it. And, yeah. and I've removed the word efficiency from my vocabulary. That's good. Um, What I think is efficient, I don't have the authority to say what's efficient. God has his timetable. I just want to day by day, moment by moment now, follow him through it.
0: Yeah, and so I think this is a good spot to land the plane. We're going to come back uh, for a part two on this, and next time we're going to talk a little bit. uh, We'll probably try to um, finish the story at least a little bit, just the broad strokes of Mm. how you got from that place right there of of having this moment of kind of – Uh, awakening and renewal and then kind of walking it out Mm -hmm. over the next season and then how uh, we actually came to uh, kind of be grafted into Mercy Hill and some of the things that that God did there. But we thank you guys for listening. We hope this has been helpful as we talk about all things church and, and hopefully live out the mission that Christ has given us before a watching world.